0: Welcome back to another episode of The Messy Truths. My name is Martin Tan, and today we welcome back Michael Chia, Executive Director of HealthServe. We're gonna be continuing the conversation we had uh, with Michael about the deep work that HealthServe is doing in the migrant worker space. Michael, welcome back. Thank you. Um, What we really want to talk about is your views of the migrant worker space. Um, COVID has really surfaced. Uh, if there are two main areas, I think, in at least from the work of majority trust, when we look at the trends and conversations uh, among donors, among the government ministries and general public, um, would be that of the migrant worker situation as well as mental health. Hmm. Um, these are probably the two Uh, topics and issues that have really surfaced to the forefront. Um, And to a certain extent, within the migrant worker space, mental health is a big part of it. So Mm -hmm. um, I thought we can spend our time uh, that we have with you today talking about these two things. What are your thoughts in terms of where we came from in 2019 and where we are now? Um, Maybe from your experience, from a health service perspective, you have seen uh, the focus on migrant workers then and then you've seen the focus in 2020, which was Really, a little bit more a crisis mode, mm-hmm. and in 2021, where things have a lot more settled now, is more of a, a regimental way of doing things. Uh, some things haven't changed; some things have. So, we'd love to take your thoughts on what has developed mm. over the over the last few years. Thanks,
1: Martin. I think you know um, what was interesting was in back in 2019, this was pre-COVID, right? We um, we had a survey. We was we were thinking about you know, what are the areas of need? And one of the great needs that came out from the survey was, you know, the mental health and the mental well-being of the migrant workers were not really cared for. So back in 2019, we decided to just develop a comprehensive mental health program to just, you know, train workers to be more mentally resilient. Um, we spoke about what to do when you're anxious, you know, it's and it's normal to be anxious, you you will have these resulting symptoms, you know, and we didn't realize that the, the training material will come in so handy in 2020. Um, Back in, in 2020, we realized that, you know, the, the, the severe anxiety or depression of the migrant workers just came out. I think um, two big reasons. One, of course, is isolation. They've been... Quarantine, they've been isolated for a long period of time, coupled with the families back home suffering from the same uh, pandemic situation. And, and lives was really never the same again. We've heard of stories where workers just lost loved ones and then not knowing what to do. Do you go home? Can I even go home? what's the meaning of staying on how do you continue living your life and we have heard of workers that came to us and shared with us as well my family is hungry can you help me I mean those are things that when you hear and then you you just that's, you, sometimes you just wonder what, what can you really do mm. right um, I think it has really shown that you know the, the pandemic just brought up um greater awareness about the plight of workers and the, how vulnerable the workers are because they're just so far away from home. Um, to us, they are here to work. To them, it's not just work, it is actually how I care for my families back home. This is how I protect my families back home. Being here is how I will be able to provide for my families back home. So it, it was a little bit different and it was very difficult um, I think for the workers when they were not able to go home or able to provide care for their work for their families and we saw as um, that the number of self-harm increased mm-hmm. in 2020 as well as the number of suicides increased in 2020 and uh, we realized that there's
0: something that needs to be done yeah. When confronted with some of these statistics, right, when mm-hmm. in terms of self-harm and suicide and the kind of uh, folks you meet on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. um, what would be the thought process of an organization like HealthServe? Primarily, you are a healthcare mm-hmm. um, a charity and, mm-hmm. and they And you provide uh, what is needed for them from from the health perspective. Of course, mental health is one aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But you see more than that. You see more needs than just health to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. So take us through how an organization like you would look at the issues at hand, Um, anywhere from legal, uh, you know, dispute with employers and so on. Um, How does one organization think through what is their core, Mm -hmm. but... As they reach out to the migrant workers, they realize that there are a lot of all these issues as well. Do you pivot? Do you not pivot? Do you start a new program? Do you not start a new program? Do you get involved? Do you not get involved? Um, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast who are running organizations or are involved in an organization do face this kind of decisions, right? Mm. So take us through how you would uh, typically uh, work within the migrant space itself as you are confronted with some of these issues. Yeah, thanks. You know, as you just mentioned,
1: the, the, the issues with the workers are really complex. It's, it's not that you can solve one and not, you know, ignoring the other. However, we are very aware that of the limitations within of as well. You know, we, we can't do everything, we can't, and we are definitely not experts in every area. So we remain very focused. Our focus is really on the well-being of the migrant worker. So we focus on health, the well-being, and we look into any um, support that you know, the worker needs in this big area. Of course, uh, WHO has their own you know, quality of life standards, which we follow as well, which is the physical, the emotional, the mental care, the social and the spiritual care as well. So these are the areas that we actually generally look at. So it's kind of the quality of life standard and health serves. Um, role as we see it is to ensure that the worker will generally have such quality of life while they're here. Um, I think you know, the important thing for any organization to really want to do um, good is to really understand what are the landscapes that, and the needs are and then identify where are the, you know, our area of expertise and our area of contribution and are we able to sustain such work long-term. Um, you know, the 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 biggest challenge is that we do things or we start something and then um, if at any point of time we cannot finish well, actually creates more harm sometimes yeah. than good. So, um, so at HealthServe, we are very we remain very focused. We want to remain focused on the health and well-being, the quality of life of the migrant workers within Singapore. You
0: know, in a previous episode, you alluded to this, right? Mm. When you were thinking of starting the 24-7 uh, <laughs> care line, a hotline. Um, it took you guys a while to decide. It was a, a, a major deliberation. Mm. Um, if you don't mind, take us through that process. Like, take mm. us behind the scenes at how organization would would think through what are the trade-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have, you have said that, you know, if you start something, you have to make it sustainable. Mm-hmm. How can you make it sustainable and so on. So um, it would be a really interesting thing to take an inside peek mm-hmm. into the decision-making process of such a major decision mm-hmm. that HealthServe have to do last September. Mm. So I think
1: when we started thinking about the crisis helpline we, we saw the need Every, everyone actually was asking help so why don't you just start a 24-7 helpline and my always knee response to that is no i don't think we're ready we don't think we have the resources we can't do this um but um somewhere early 20 2021 when uh, we realized that the need was so great we we decided to just look inwards and say what are the what do you really need to do in order to start a 24-7 crisis helpline? In, in fact, you know, our first, first uh, model was to maybe even partner uh SOS. We were just telling them, you know, you, you have the expertise. What if you fundraise for you guys kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> and you just take on the migrant worker segment. But they, they, they too came back and said that, you know what, we, we can't because, you know, we are overwhelmed. By the number of calls from the locals as well, um, but we are willing to train you guys, so we and, and you know uh, I was really pleased with you know that kind of partnership so we we decided to say okay if if we were going to be trained, what are the things that we will need? Ministry of Manpower came to us and said that you know this is a great need, this is a great area of um, that they see uh, as a concern. are we willing to To work on this and we said um, you know there are other there are certain areas that we need support on be it from the financial side to the empowering side to also awareness side and I think I'm very thankful for such partnerships you know so we we partner SOS to provide us training and equipping Um, Ministry of Manpower supported us in terms of creating awareness and, and also the manpower and so we the, the last thing that we needed to do was then to create a platform. And everyone always thinks that 24-7, all you need is a mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's far from that, right? So we, we, we needed to create a system that allows um, every caller to come in. We need to be able to record the calls. We need to be able to create case management. And we need to be able to allow the system to escalate should a suicide attempt occur. And... Um, you know what? And and I re- I remembered we we wanted to to create a system in two months. It was to an any IT um, developer. They would tell us this is almost impossible. But we had a very very strong partner, and they said we'll do this with you. Um, and they, they they took on the challenge, and they did it with us. So we actually and we are very thankful. So we managed to launch everything. So. What we did was we we went and see what are the resources that we can get, who are the partners that we can, uh, you know, partner with, and from there we decide okay, this is something which we can do, um, and then we started hiring and uh, and interviewed people. We interviewed so many people in a very short period of time, and and uh, it's it's. Um, it's amazing how the team came together very quickly and when we decided that this was what we wanted to do every team members were you know we, we we were very aligned because we knew that to do this it means extra effort from every single person to get this done um yeah that's why I say the team was had, it's, it's really awesome i mean they they double up when needed just so
0: that we can launch the crisis helpline on time. It it is quite amazing during a time of crisis, Mm. um, the inhibitors are off. Mm. We collaborate much quicker Mm -hmm. uh, because everybody know, you know what, guys, the issue is at hand, the Mm -hmm. crisis is at hand. Let us come together, you know, there are lesser turf wars (laughs) to a certain (laughs) extent, Uh, you know, lesser lesser competition, everybody just want to chip in. Within the micro space itself, the shift that we were talking about pre-COVID and now during COVID and now going into endemic, um, we're focused a lot on the downside of the crisis, like the bad things, you know, the things that could have been better and so on. But there were also a lot of good things that came out yeah, exactly. during this period of time. So mm-hmm. would you take us through, from your vantage point of view, uh, seeing it really as close to the ground as we can get, what were some of the things that you saw and said? Wow, I'm really glad these are happening, and I wish this will continue post pandemic. Hmm. You know,
1: like just what you said. You know, a lot of um, collaborations. You know, people were just not, um, you know, guarding your turf kind of thing. It, we we really wanted to care for the workers. But one of the great things that came out as well, we realized that the workers themselves were. I mean they were caring for one another they started to have their own uh, podcast as well nice <laughs> you know they they had you know, um they they they've they been actually coming up and, and championing cause for themselves amongst their own community and i thought that was amazing um, new ground up movements that really who are passionate for the cause came up alongside and just said that you know we are here to support um in whatever ways and however that we can do, and willing to partner and and just being available all the time um, and and you know what what was amazing is that some of the organizations have been in Singapore for many, many, many years It's just that they've never really engaged migrant workers and they, they're really keen to do so, and so they they just reached out to us and said, that, "Can we do something with you? Can we partner you in in some of the events and programs?" And I do hope to see this continuing. I I think this brings everyone closer. Yeah, just not just amongst the NGOs. I mean, the communities as well. Yeah. Um, the the volunteers that volunteers in, volunteered in the other NGOs suddenly get get an exposure to what the migrant workers' life is all about. They get to see the dormitories a little bit more. They really understand. Oh, so actually, this is what dormitory is really all about. Or a recreational center. This is how it really looks like. Uh, that they have a minima and things like that, you know. So it, it creates awareness, and I think that's a beautiful thing.
0: Mm. One, of the, one of my colleagues at Real of Hope was talking about a meeting that he was in recently mm-hmm. um, and how migrant workers' support became one of the key pillars of a company's, and this is a fairly large company's mm. uh, CSR. Oh, uh, because yeah. they wanted to work with the grassroots and they were the one that recommended, you know, why don't we actually do something for the market worker community in this precinct or in, in this ward or mm-hmm. uh, or area, mm-hmm. uh, which is heartening because yeah. I would say before before COVID, it would not have been the top line recall at all. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning about how wonderful collaboration had become mm-hmm. uh, during this period of time. Uh, and you mentioned in a, a couple of uh, uh places during the, the podcast uh, about government coming in, Ministry of Manpower and so on. Mm-hmm. How has collaboration with government been this past two years? I think we have really,
1: um, it's been good. Right. Um, I guess the the part of working with each other and, and the trust that's been built, I think it's really there. Um, very thankful for them um, being willing to listen as well and take inputs and um, I remember during the time when it was at the peak of the pandemic you know and and everything was just um quite messy um, we we had regular meetings and I, when I say regular I think it's almost daily <laughs> meetings i wow. think and uh, we will start calling and say that this is an issue here there's an issue there that how can we do this why why aren't this moving um, and 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 they they do take our inputs and Conversely, they they will ask us as well. So how how are the things on the ground right now? Do you see improvements? Are we moving in the right direction? Um, are we getting the right resources on the ground? I think that kind of collaboration has really been good, and it's been like that since then till now. Um, to the extent that sometimes you know things are not always as smooth. Yeah, That's always things that needs to, you know, s- certain form of escalation. I think Ministry of Manpower has really stepped up. I, I really feel that and I think I'm very thankful to see that actually.
0: Do you foresee this as seasonal or do you think from your experience in working with uh, the government ministries that, you know what, this is going to be the new norm? I really hope it's a new norm. <laughs> um, I, I think...
1: They have set up a new team. They call the ministry um MOM ACE. I think with the MOMAs they, they seek to be a permanent presence within the MOM and, and they have created a good impact for, you know, the the migrant worker communities and, and how they really want to care and, and assure that the workers are really cared for as well and to engage the workers, right? And um I think with them being on board, um we should be able to get better collaboration i think uh, amongst n g o s with the Ministry of manpower, as well as getting workers' feedback directly to them. I mean they can then get first hand feedback you know
0: directly and it's a it's a common thing I've been hearing from the ground as I talk to the folks hmm. of how I think with ACE, uh, things has become more direct, a lot more closer collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it looks to be here to stay, which is which is one of those wonderful things mm-hmm. um, that I think the crisis have forced everyone's hands mm-hmm. uh, to collaborate faster and quicker, uh, but I think more effective and more efficient as well, which, mm-hmm. which is really uh, interesting and exciting, really. Uh, one of the research that we did with HealthServe um, was mm-hmm. um, the Expectations or about right. the perceptions of Singaporeans of, of migrant workers, um, and you remember one of the key findings is this idea of interaction and integration, mm. uh, which is why we started the Scaffold Fund uh, in response to that. Right? Mm. Um, we talk a lot about charities. We talk a lot about volunteers. We talk a lot about donors to a certain extent. Government stakeholders. Um, one of the one of the key stakeholders in in us embracing and not, not solving. I don't use the word solve because it's not like a, a problem to solve. It is complex to mm-hmm. the extent. Uh, it's the stakeholders of the public, the community mm-hmm. itself. Uh, we, we often don't, don't focus on the public as a whole. Uh, we focus on every other entity but the public. Um, so I want to end our session really talking about the role the public can play um, in making the situation, our lives, uh, and the integration and the interaction with the migrant worker community, uh, with our Singaporean community, are much better. What are your thoughts in engaging the public? What are your thoughts in uh, really rallying the public um, to really making this a a wonderful home for all?
1: I think when we look at the migrant worker space, we really cannot uh, think of them um, in isolation, so I th- it's really important to have the public um, involved. I think a lot of communications and engagements need to be done as well. Um, integrating migrant workers into the communities is something which I think is a very, you know, it's it's one of my personal vision that I really wish um, to see happening. Um, we should really try to. Know what it means to you know have a society you know where we can really thrive together uh, locals um the people that's working among us the the below migrant workers I think um perhaps as a start to understand what are the key areas of fear of of and and to just really understand what um the public really you know misunderstand um awareness is definitely the first step i believe right i mean we really need to just allow the public to see what it's like and and allow the um workers to also see what it's like to uh of, from a singaporean perspective so you know, similarly so i i believe that more work needs to be done in integrating the communities together. Um, I do hope to um, engage more people to be able to do so. Mm. I really wish you know and and and, and there, are, there are a few things that I believe that needs to happen. One is of course creating the awareness the platform to be able to engage education is very key um, in not just in terms of hate knowledge education but also the lives you know in in Communicating with one another, the relational part, the um, yeah, the, the soft skills of, of uh, living with one another, I think those are, those are
0: important things that, that need to be addressed. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The ability for ourselves to, to see a migrant worker and reach out like how we would with a friend. Exactly, you know. One yeah, one of the best uh, one of the conversation that we had with an, in another episode um, was talking about how a lot of our migrant workers feel pride uh, when they walk past the buildings that they built. Mm. <laughs> um, and and that mm-hmm. comment struck me, and I realized that wow, it's true. Mm-hmm. They have. When we talk about blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> right? Um, this is really one of the key things that they have really given us as a country. Yeah. Um, and I think when we see them, um, a smile, a reach out, ask for their names, uh, those should be a regular occurrence mm-hmm. uh, than just simply walking past, um, not acknowledging. Um, and maybe we can transit from an invisible group of people uh, and surface to consciousness and say, wow. They are my fellow friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are a fellow resident here. How can we make this to be an inclusive space? Exactly. A lot of, um, a number of listeners on uh, the Messy Truths are ground-up initiatives. Um, They are a great group of people we love to work with. Um, They've supported quite a number who have done really good works on the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're listening in right now, how do you think we can really promote interaction and integration uh, with the migrant worker community? What what are some of the ideas that spring up to you that mm. you would love for people to do and HealthServe would love to be a part of? <laughs> yeah, I think the first thing is
1: just being willing and available. I think that's just the two key ingredients as a start we, we must have. Um, then create the right platforms and avenues for tough discussions. There are things that is not complex and to be ready to know that they we. we we are not here to solve all problems, but we are willing to work through the problems together. I, I think that's the that's a, a point where, um, you know, I've always shared this, the u- unity in diversity, right? That's how university was, the word formed. It, it's, it's really, really coming with a common goal of really seeing one another as human beings as with, and the, the respect that a person should have. And I think we can work from there. Um, Will we ever, ever find um, solutions to everything? The answer is no. But can we find some common grounds? Yes. And perhaps it's better to just work on the common grounds and work on what we believe should the um, community look like and, and progress from there. It's very important for us to leave behind a legacy of what we want Singapore to be. I mean, it's really something which I, I think about quite a fair bit. So I'm happy to any, uh, speak to anyone who is also keen to do, you know, uh, in, to integrate the society
0: together. That's, that's always been a goal. It is, it yeah. is our aspiration as well. I, mm-hmm. I like the word common ground because mm. that's really what we are striving after. Mm. Um, we're recording this podcast in December. Um, of 2021, we are approaching Christmas and we're approaching the new year as we mm-hmm. count down. Uh, and let me end this episode with this question, what's your hope in this coming year?
1: I really hope to see um, a society, you know, where migrant worker really lives a life of health, well, well-being and with dignity. And I really hope to be able to see, uh, you know, um, Yeah, a a society that really embraces um, the community that is, you know, that is relatively um, shunned away from Singapore.
0: Very cool. Michael, it has been a real pleasure. Thank you for spending time with us. You are listening to The Messy Truths with Michael Chia, Executive Director of HealthServe. This is the second episode of a two-part series. If you have not catch uh, the first episode, uh, do find Under The Messy Truths. Subscribe to Apple Podcast or Spotify.